In a stadium rich with tradition. We have that here, and it reeks. And when you come in, teams take the field, they can feel it. The lights shine the brightest. Definitely playing at Camp Randall is one of the best places to play in college football. This is the Cam. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, and the Athletics' Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Second episode of the week and not one that we uh, really wanted to do, but unfortunately, here we are. The last time we talked, Wisconsin was coming off a dominating 45-7 to win over Illinois. We were stoked about Graham Mertz. We were really excited to see what that would look like on the road at Nebraska. On Sunday, late Sunday, before we were able to post the episode, news broke that Graham Mertz had tested positive. That was eventually confirmed. And it kept on going and going. And yesterday on Wednesday, the Badgers had to shut things down for a week due to an outbreak of COVID within the program. Twelve people tested positive as of yesterday, More uh, as of yesterday, including uh, six players, six coaches, including Paul Christ, including both the starting quarterback and the backup quarterback, and, you know, who else ever. But uh, they had to shut it down. They shut it down for seven days. That means they canceled the Nebraska game. Jesse, it's, uh, I'm not sure you could go from a high of highs, and everyone was so excited what happened last Friday, to really a low of lows yesterday and, and into Thursday and having to deal with this now. It's been such a wild week for Wisconsin's football program, and this has completely thrown the direction of the entire season uh, in disarray, really, because there, there are so many factors in play here, and I know we'll get to all of them, but the first thing that comes to mind is it, Wisconsin's going to have this seven-day pause, and then if in a best-case scenario, they would come back on a Wednesday – to get ready for a game against Purdue three days later, and you're still not going to have those players who have tested positive available, so you're going to be going down the depth chart there, and you have to wonder whether they'll be prepared to play a game. They're obviously not going to have Paul Christ there because he's got to isolate for 10 days, so it, it would either be Friday or Saturday when he would be available, and then they've lost a game that they can't get back, and the Big Ten, in putting out this revised schedule, has completely backed itself in a corner by not allowing for any flexibility whatsoever. They said, we've got eight conference games. They're going to take place in eight weekends, no extra weeks. Um, and that is a serious problem now, because if this were to happen again or maybe a third time, because we just don't know what's going to happen, if you don't play six games in the conference, you're not even eligible to play in the Big Ten championship game. So. Those are just a few details. I know we'll get into more, but those are some of my initial reactions. Yeah, there's there's plenty to get into. And let's start with the decision to put everything on hold for a week because it is not a decision that came from the Big Ten. It was a decision that Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez made along with Chancellor Rebecca Blank in coordination with the Big Ten, but the Big Ten wasn't mandating it because Wisconsin had not reached the red-red. Uh, the match had hit both thresholds that would have mandated them shutting things down for a week, but they did it anyways, and Barry Alvarez's reasoning behind it was is that in the month lead-up to the game, when they were doing starting the testing, they had one positive COVID-19 test in the entire, the entire month, and then you have 12 within five days. And so he's citing that as the reason why they wanted to get their arms around it. They wanted to put an end to it right here. And so they shut everything down despite the fact that the Big Ten was not telling them to do that. Personally, I'm completely fine with the decision because of we all know COVID and the, and the, the spiraling out of control. It can happen because of how contagious it can be. But for you, are you were you a little surprised that they did this on their own without the Big Ten forcing them to? 
Not entirely. There's there's a couple factors at play here. From a football standpoint, Wisconsin obviously would have been at a competitive disadvantage, particularly at quarterback. And we, we don't know uh, where those other numbers came from in terms of players. But it's not like we're talking about there was one or two positive tests on the team. Sure, it wasn't the red-red, but the, the infection rate did fall under what the Big Ten has categorized orange-red, which is basically one step below where you say we can't play. And then orange-red means... Teams, and this is according to the Big Ten, quote, must proceed with caution and enhance COVID-19 preventions. And that includes altering practice and meeting schedules and considering the viability of continuing with scheduled competition, end quote. So and, and they what were did, right there. And, and what did Wisconsin do? They decided that it wasn't viable enough to play, right? That's, that is exactly right. So Sorry. I don't, have, I don't have a problem with it. And really, what, what matters most, and, and you have to believe this, uh, is is the safety of everyone involved. If you have a number that balloons to 12 in five days, what's to say you go on the road and that number gets worse or that number begins to impact Nebraska? So, you know, this was done uh, – the overarching theme for me is this was done for the, the safety and well-being of, of the program and the players and the coaches. And, and, yes, it didn't meet the official threshold, but certainly it was right on the cusp. Um, and, and anybody who says – if you're a Nebraska fan, you say, well, Wisconsin's dodging Nebraska or didn't want to play the Cornhuskers. Um, I I certainly don't agree with that. I'm wondering, and just now kind of thinking about it, do you do it now on a Wednesday so that if you get to a Thursday or Friday and it happens, you do hit the threshold, they don't shut you down anyways? That the possibility of you knew you knew that the likelihood was gonna it was gonna happen anyways, and you do it now so that you, you give yourself a shot at playing next Saturday? I think that's a good point you bring up. And if it seemed like this was inevitable and it was going to take an extra day or two, you do that and you have significantly uh, put yourself up against a wall in terms of being able to play the following week. And we've seen other teams who have had multiple games canceled. Yep. Um, but this is a league, as I said, that has no wiggle room. When when you looked at the initial revised schedule after the Big Ten dumped non-conference games and came up with that conference-only schedule – they built in three weekends where if something like this happened, you could reschedule it and play it later. And that's obviously not the case anymore. So you're right. If, if it officially got shut down on Friday and, and you had to go dark for seven days, I don't know how you could possibly play right. the next Saturday if you came back that Friday. So you were, you're in some trouble there. Um, this is what Wisconsin had to do. And now Paul Chris said he really wasn't even – ready and understandably so to talk about the next game, which is Purdue on November 7th. He said, we have to do everything in our power just to give ourselves an opportunity. We have to try and get healthy first. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, two things on that. The first thing is the Big Ten, of all the things that they did horribly this summer, not going with the revised schedule and starting in late September, I think was probably their biggest mistake. That's just, for me personally, uh, followed slightly by the fact that you put that schedule out and six days later you, you canceled everything. But not giving yourself anything built in uh, the built-in bye weeks, that, that's a huge one of it. And I'm wondering if, you know, in, in terms of Paul Christ, do you think, I don't want to use, that. I don't think embarrassed is the right word, but not feeling great about his role in this, just because he gave that message to the players all the time of be safe, of do this, of do that. And I'm not, and we saw tons of pictures in practice of him having the, the thing over his nose and was, was abiding by everything. You know, within the game, that wasn't the case, but I kind of got the feeling that he was, you know, a little, I don't know, not embarrassed, not ashamed, but that kind of feeling when we were talking with him yesterday. 
Am I wrong? Yeah, in that? I think so. And I think that's a, a fair point because he, he even brought it up that he had been communicating with his players all along about the importance of of being safe. And um, he, he also said, you know, you can you can do everything that you yeah. feel like you can and this virus will still get you. Having said that, you know, he was asked a question about on that game Friday night. There were instances where he was seen on camera with his uh, face mask below his nose when he was talking to players. Now, Paul said that. Um, he didn't know if it was because it was daylight out or, or whatever, but his glasses were fogging up. And so that was one thing that he did. And it was something he tried to fix later on in practice where yeah. he also had a face shield on. But obviously by then, you know, it, it's too late. I don't want to I don't want to say the deed is done because we don't know how this began. Really. Right. And Paul Paul acknowledged that as well. He, they tried to do what they could when they stayed at the team hotel the night before the game. They they didn't have a, an official team dinner. People could do a grab and go situation. There were large rooms. There were no more than 10 people allowed in a particular spot. Uh, but again, this can come up and we don't know how he said he doesn't know what ground zero was. He doesn't know if there was a super spreader. All they can do is try to do better moving forward. But certainly that has to be a learning lesson for him in the future. Yeah. For anybody that has worn a mask with glasses, you know what Paul Chris is talking about. It it definitely happens. And it happens whether it's I mean, it happens very, very quickly. And so I, I can see where he's coming from. I got some te- I got some tweets at me saying the ways to deal with that and avoid that. And I'm sure Paul Chris really will appreciate those. But can you pass those along to me? Because actually when we were in the press box for the opener, I wear reading glasses and I had the mask on. I couldn't wear my reading glasses at all. They were totally fogged up. So I was just staring at the computer with no glasses on. Yeah. Uh, so I certainly understand. And the other thing I wanted to mention is you, you talked about the first point about the Big Ten's decision in terms of scheduling. I look at some of these other conferences, and I'll use Florida as an example in the SEC because the last two games have been postponed. They had a, a game against LSU on October 17th, a game against Missouri on October 24th. Both of those got postponed, obviously because of COVID situations. And because the SEC built in uh, the opportunity to play later. They're going to play Missouri next weekend, and then they're going to play LSU on December 12th. And so this is a situation in my mind that could have been avoided where if you had built this scene, you could have played Nebraska later on in the season, and we wouldn't have a situation where you potentially have an unbalanced schedule where Wisconsin's going to play seven or even six games, and some of these other teams are going to play eight games. Wisconsin and the Big Ten in general was very confident in these daily antigen tests, correct? I mean, they that was one of the huge reasons why the the uh, presidents and chancellors signed off on coming back because they thought they had not a cure-all, certainly not a vaccine, as Paul Chris said, the testing's not a vaccine. Everyone has said that. But they felt like they had a, an upper hand over all these other conferences and why they were going to be able to do eight games in eight weeks and defy the virus and all that stuff. And it turns out the tests may not be as good as we thought they were, considering Paul Chris tested negative with this uh, with the antigen test on Tuesday morning, took a PCR test Tuesday night, it came back positive Wednesday morning. Yet he still feels confident in those tests, and so does Barry Alvarez. I guess I don't know what they would say otherwise, because if you say you're not confident in it, then uh, how could you keep using them and continue to play and go out on the field when you're not confident in the test that's supposed to give you a clean field? What Barry said was, we felt like the daily quick response test would answer contact tracing for us. And he said, obviously, it's not a total answer, but it's given him some criteria that, that we can clearly not go though. with. Clearly not. I mean, maybe maybe for that month. You know what? I shouldn't say clearly not. Maybe not. Maybe for that month it did. But what changed? What happened these last few days that the test all of a sudden didn't work? Or, you know, were things slipping through earlier and that just didn't hit? at a level that it is now. That's See, that's the question that we can't answer. Right. That, that's the great mystery is, how did this happen? 
no one really knows. Did somebody do something they shouldn't have? Did they come in contact with somebody that they shouldn't have? Maybe only those people can know. But we see how quickly this virus spreads and from a football standpoint, how it can impact an entire team and put a season in jeopardy. Yeah. Again, I, I, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying it, I've, it's hard for me to, to sit here and say I trust the daily antigen tests that they, I mean, that they work. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of, I don't know, false negatives, I think would be the word, at least in, in Paul Chris' case. You know, the, that was a false negative, but the Big Ten's booked their entire, I mean, 13 of the other 14 teams have been able to make it work. Uh, Wisconsin currently not, but they're going to continue on with it. And I think we, we should be fair about it. Stopping it now and getting and losing one week, two weeks is so that you can play the rest of the season, right? I mean, that, I think that is another huge part of this is, you know, you let it linger or you go and play Nebraska and it gets even worse. And then you're, you're wiping yourself out for not just this week and next week, but potentially weeks after that. Right. And we can say it has worked for 13 of the other 14 teams, but let's be honest, we haven't even made it to week two of the season. So yeah, I'm not going right. to be surprised at all if we've got some other teams that have issues because we've seen it across the college football landscape where games have been postponed or they haven't been able to play. And so to, I think it would be naive to think this is going to be the only circumstance and the only cancellation in the Big Ten. Well, that's and I would agree with that. And that's why I'm but I'm saying it's hard for me to believe the that like they're working for Wisconsin. They're not working for Wisconsin, but they're working else other places. That's my my question. Like, is that right? Is that what we're doing here? I mean, I I, I don't know. But either way, it's put Wisconsin in a little bit of a bind because they're one and zero. They looked by far the best team in the West. I mean, I guess you could throw Northwestern in there as well. What they did to Maryland, but Iowa didn't look good. Minnesota didn't look good. Illinois obviously did not look good. You know, Purdue looked okay, but Wisconsin, I think, was clearly the the class of the West leading into the year. And what we saw Friday night certainly backed that up. But it's put, they put themselves in a little bit of a bind here because if they don't, obviously, not playing this week, and if they don't play next week. That leaves them with six games and really no margin for error, assuming all the other, t- assuming the average number of games played ends up being eight. You can play no fewer than six to get to the Big Ten championship game. Do you still feel like they're the favorite in the West, even though we're not sure they're going to play enough games to get there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, if they play the rest of the West teams, I think Wisconsin is the best team in the West. So to me it's not the question of the talent on the roster or them being the best it's will they will they really give themselves the opportunity to do so and I, I don't know what kind of impact it would have on a team if you only had three days to prepare for an opponent now Barry suggested you could do zoom meetings obviously not having Paul Christ around would be a different type of situation to me the thing I'm probably more interested in from a football standpoint is what this roster will look like the next time we see Wisconsin on the field. Because I think it's important to remember, and something we haven't discussed, is those players who have tested positive are out for 21 days. Now, depending on when they tested positive, that might also include the Michigan game. And if we're just specifically talking about the quarterback position, which I think is a fairly important position, uh, we were going into the week, at least by midweek, thinking that perhaps Danny Vandenboom, the fourth-string quarterback, the only remaining guy on on scholarship might be the only guy that they could go to. Uh, And so if they do play Purdue, that would still be the case, assuming the other quarterbacks are not available. Well, that significantly impacts what you can do because you don't have Jack Cohn, who started 18 games and and is out indefinitely with the injury. And then Graham Mertz, which as has been reported, had a positive test, lit up the college football world. So you don't have him. And you mentioned Chase Wolf as well, what his status could potentially be. So I think that 
is going to be just drastically impact what Wisconsin is capable of. And again, we don't know who those other players are and what position groups it could impact. Correct. Correct. There's no doubt about that. What is the likelihood of them playing that Purdue game? This is us just giving our opinions on it. There's no facts here, but what 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 is your opinion? Do you think they end up playing that Purdue game? I feel like it's 50-50 right now. I, I, I really don't. Like like I said, you think it's worse than that? Yeah, I don't I don't think it gets played. But I you mean, might be right because if the number was at the is if the number was just below the threshold, those same people are not going to be available. And so if the number were to increase, then you would have been, exceeded the threshold. And I suppose you could ask yourself what would be the difference next week if you have the same number would the team feel confident that it could play because they felt they had the spread under control i mean i'm wondering how many very well may be right i'm wondering how many people are being tested right now because the, the testing was 170 people i believe is what it was uh with players coaches staff you know people that are there on a regular basis right so not all 170 were tested right now because they already had 60 people with the with the virus before this whole thing, be, you know, as of I think it was I think it was Tuesday, they had 60, uh, 56 players and, and four staff members had tested positive, and so how many of those people are being tested? Because you aren't you aren't tested for three months after you test positive, so they're not included in that group. So the threshold to hit is a lot lower. So I'm wondering how many people are, and you know, the the lower the number of people being tested, the smaller the number has to be for you to go over the threshold. Yes, <laughs> I mean, does, I, does that? I'm not going to disagree with you there. You I, know what I'm saying? Like, I, like I don't. We don't know the number that's being tested right now because we don't know when people tested positive in the summer and that type of stuff, and whether they're being tested again. But like everyone was working on that 170 all week, and 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 really the number is much smaller than that in terms of people that are being tested on a daily basis. And Wisconsin's in a weird spot now because they they've got to walk this fine line of wanting to be safe, which. Barry acknowledges is first and foremost, that's the number one priority, which he said is the concern for the health and safety of the athletes. But if you miss that second game, I mean, does this just basically become an exhibition season? Maybe it was before, but at least the opportunity to play for a conference championship and potentially beyond felt more real. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the percentage chance will be on, on that Purdue game. I mean, I, I was saying if, if best case scenario, the guys can come back and practice on a Wednesday, but the more I think about it, you're not going to have those players available and the number could grow to even a larger number. So this is just a it's a terrible situation for Wisconsin, yeah. for the Big Ten and for college football. And yet it it felt inevitable. Right. It did. And obviously probably should mention that assuming the reporting is correct on Graham Mertz and that he took his test on Saturday and that's the test that he was positive, his first positive test that should allow him to play against Michigan because that would be day 22. And let's go over the, the criteria that a player would face because yes, yes. I think that's important too. For sure. Big ten, the Big Ten requires players to wait at least 14 days from the initial diagnosis to undergo a series of cardiac tests. Correct. In the first 10 uh, days, and that, that, in the first 10 days, no physical activity. Right. And, and, and those cardiac tests relate to the myocarditis, which was a big issue in the Big Ten initially shutting down. So yes. echocardiogram, a cardiac MRI. And then only at that point can they start to work their way toward competition again. So there's like a, a seven-day ramp-up period. Yep. And right now, at least according to Alvarez, he said every player on the team was uh, staying in a hotel. Appar- <laughs> apparently that was <laughs> in inaccurate. Yeah, he said, but he said they're, well, they all are quarantining. Eh. Uh, they're not. Well, apparently, I, 
UW came out and clarified that last uh, Wednesday night, saying that they're not all in a hotel room. They're not, you know, they're but not they're all, all quarantined. They're, they're all they're all not around they're, other people. right. So they, they, the people that were that are roommates with each other are not around each other right now. Like they, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're right. It's a good clarification. Um, but so there, there's a lot of steps, and the other thing is that the Big Ten in co- deciding to come back put stricter protocols into place than any other conference. So, you know, that's another thing that we have to take into consideration that if this was another conference, maybe a player doesn't miss three games, but Paul was asked about that earlier in the week too. And and he said that he completely understood and supported the decision that the big 10 made because safety is, is the priority. So that's what the players have to go through. And then Paul uh, would have 10 days, right? Yeah. He's, he's got to be in isolation. So it's, it's, it's just a wild, wild situation. It is. And the, the thing is that there's, I, I don't know if you saw the story from Sports Illustrated from Ross Dellinger that he, he's, that there is a study that was published this week that said that they're finding so few heart issues with athletes that test positive, like especially among asymptomatic, like out of a hundred, sometimes not even one, that the Big Ten should revisit that issue and probably or potentially change their stance on that 21-day period. And Barry Alvarez, which this this boggles mind a little bit, Ross is the one that told Alvarez about the study and explained it to him. And Alvarez that said that's that's something we should look into. Um, <laughs> that's tough to listen to when the Big Ten should be the ones that are proactive here and always trying to stay ahead of the medicine or, or the science I should say either way it's not going to probably help Wisconsin at this point you know what I mean like it's not there all of a sudden Graham Mertz ain't going to be back after 14 days like I don't that I don't think anything's going to change to the point where that's going to happen but it has certainly shined a light on this protocol that we all thought whoa I think that I mean that was what everyone grabbed everyone's attention when it first came out 21 days that's going to be three games so the fact that uh the science, and as we know with COVID, is changing every day and evolving, and it's 2020. So, I mean, one day will bring one thing, and the next day will bring another, but it sounds like that could potentially be changing in the future, but I don't think it's going to help Wisconsin at this point. I don't think so either. We're already at week two. It's late October. The season ends in mid-December, and so you would have to implement some rapid changes. I just don't see that happening. And then the other thing you mentioned about the 21 days, you know, it, 14 to 21 may not sound like a lot, but just when you think about the equivalent, you have a positive test and you missed three out of eight games. If you were a Major League Baseball player and you had a 162-game season, which we didn't this year, that'd be the equivalent of about 61 games. Yeah. It's just crazy to think that you miss 38% of a season. Um, but again, these were the steps that they felt were necessary, and it's just the situation that Wisconsin finds itself in. and. Certainly other players around the league will as well. Yeah. I feel like the, I really feel, obviously the testing was a big part of it. And the, is what I think everyone, I think was referred to in the press conference on Monday, the conservative nature of the Big Ten and the kind of the, uh, the carrot out there on the stick to try and get the can- uh, chancellors and presidents to vote yes to come back. I think that that's, that was a big part of it. But Wisconsin is in the place it is right now. Now, I, I have to address this because it's been like wildfire on Twitter and on message boards and everywhere else, is that Wisconsin ducked Nebraska. That because they didn't have their first two quarterbacks or their first three quarterbacks, that they pulled the plug 
because of that and not because of the safety. I find the argument to be utterly hilarious that a team that has owned you for a decade and that has regularly beat the pulp out of you would be ducking you in this situation, quarterback or not, and especially when it comes to Barry Alvarez and Paul Chris. Barry Alvarez loves playing Nebraska. There is no team I think he enjoys playing more than Nebraska. And Paul Christ, pretty much the same thing. Paul Chris loves playing football no matter what, coaching football no matter what. doesn't really matter who they're playing. He could go in there with a seventh-string quarterback and still be okay with playing. Like That idea is just uh, insane, but that is, that is what a lot of Nebraska fans are saying today. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but Wisconsin obviously would have been at a significant competitive disadvantage if they had a four-string quarterback. So you think it had a role? Couldn't have a head coach. No, I, I don't, but I, you know, I think it's at least worth acknowledging that to say, and yes, Wisconsin has owned Nebraska, but this would be a different Wisconsin team that took the field from even week one, um, and we don't know what assistant coaches wouldn't have even been available. But no, I, I, this is a health and safety issue. That's how it should be viewed. I understand Nebraska fans are upset. They want to play the game. There's only so many games, and they fought desperately to have this season, but you talk about this discussion spreading like wildfire. Well, COVID was spreading like wildfire within the team. And they wanted to try to get a handle on this before it got even more out of control, potentially, because even in that announcement on Wednesday, there were additional test results that were pending. So yes, the number 12 has been released, but today that number could be higher. So they may have met the threshold. Yeah, I I don't, I don't have a problem with them making this decision. I, I think it was the right one to make given what had transpired in only a five-day span since the game. Are you okay with it being a no-contest instead of a forfeit? That is another point of contention for Nebraska because Wisconsin pulled the plug as opposed to the Big Ten. I'm okay with it being a no-contest. I think it would be more controversial if Nebraska got a win because it's been eight years since the Cornhuskers actually beat the Badgers. So for this one to be a win, it would be problematic, at least to me. Wisconsin is the best team in the West, and so I just – them not being able to play for that to cost Wisconsin a Big Ten West opportunity when, well, what if they wind up playing the rest of the games and winning? I, I'm i perfectly fine with a no contest. I, I suppose I understand Nebraska and, the, and its fans with that reaction, but yeah. this is why it was put in place because it should ultimately be about uh, the safety and not a win or a loss. Uh, can, you, can you imagine what's going to happen if Wisconsin – Ends up playing six games, right? They don't play Purdue, right? So they, they play six games, they win them all. They're 6-0. And the long shot of all long shots of all long shots of all long shots, Nebraska wins all of its games, remaining games, and they finish 6-1. and one. And who goes to the Big Ten championship game? Wisconsin does, because it's winning percentage. <laughs> Boy. Yes, it would create quite an uproar. But boy. And the same I thing feel like the same thing would I happen think, if Purdue, obviously, if Wisconsin does get to play Purdue and, and Purdue wins all of its games uh or it loses one game but never got a chance to play Wisconsin. But either way, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say I understand Nebraska played with Ohio State for a half, maybe a they little lost more. Fifty two to was, seventeen. And and that was going to be my point. Fifty two to seventeen. So I'll believe it when I see it that Nebraska is the team to beat in the West. But just for the sake of argument, yes, it would be fascinating if either Nebraska or Purdue, assuming Wisconsin didn't play the Boilermakers, had that record and Wisconsin was 6-0. It would be extremely controversial. And who knows what we're headed for this season. This is just the already it's the craziest Big Ten season I've ever seen. And we haven't even gotten to week two. I know this is a Wisconsin podcast, but Big Ten 
shutting down Nebraska's attempt to play UT Chattanooga this weekend uh, because no out-of-conference games being allowed. I I feel like a school should be able to schedule that game if if it can happen safely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It would have been on pretty short notice, and but I, you know, it's not Nebraska's fault that this game isn't being played. And if there was an alternative available, I really wouldn't have an issue with it. It's not like playing Chattanooga was going to catapult Nebraska into a college football playoff spot. So, right. But that's the Big Ten's policy, um, and they've been sticking it to Nebraska, right? Yes. Just look at the schedule. Yeah. Uh huh. Whatever. Getting into a couple of Twitter questions, and this one kind of plays off what you were just talking about: college football playoff. How does this affect Wisconsin's chances at a college football playoff appearance? Well, I think that's an interesting question, too, because let's say they do go, I don't know, 6-0, and and they win the West, and they play Ohio State, and somehow win that game, and they're 7-0. and Is that going to be enough when you've got other teams that have played way more games and put, put themselves out there a lot more? Uh, I... I don't know. I think obviously we're getting down the the rabbit hole in a complete right. hypothetical. But oh, hey, who you know who else likes hypotheticals? Who's that? Paul Christ, big fan of hypotheticals. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I, I, I yeah, that I wish I would have asked a different question, but we can't predict the future because when we had our Zoom with Paul, I asked him knowing that Graham wasn't available, but we didn't know yet that perhaps Chase Wolf might not be available. I said in a hypothetical situation in which you needed Chase Wolf to play at any point this season. Uh, what could he provide you with? And he said, oh, I love these hypotheticals. And then he didn't answer the question yeah. at all, which now it's perhaps understandable why. Yeah. I should have asked about Danny Vandenboom, too. Yeah. No, I, I texted you the other night. I texted you then that night when the Wolf news came that I'm like, yeah, probably uh, should have asked that hypothetical about Danny Vandenboom instead. Would he have answered any differently? Probably not. But we, we like all our guys. We brought them all here for a reason, all that kind of jazz. But in terms of the college football playoff, I don't think, like, I don't think seven and zero even gets you there, even if you do beat Ohio State. Do you think? I guess I it depends. Know. I guess I it, think de- it depends on what these other conferences yes, do. You're right. Knock each other out. Like, you're, you're right in terms of in terms of how many games to get if they get end up being able to play all their games. Right. So if like the SEC ends up playing ten or eleven games, is seven going to be enough to get a Big Ten team in? Probably not. I mean, we've already we've already heard that the Pac-12 is going to be very difficult for them to get in. You know, with their six games. I think Wisconsin team with a six and zero record or seven and zero record. Even if they beat Ohio State, it's going to be very difficult for them to get in. I don't disagree, and if there were, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they, they they'll play Michigan, assuming that game happens, and that's a very good team, a nationally ranked team. Yeah. And so, I I, don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. It's an interesting hypothetical, right? And the the college football playoff committee did not set a, I don't believe, set a minimum game requirement. That I that I recall. Now I could be wrong, and I'll look stupid for saying that, but I don't think that they set a minimum game requirement um, for anything for for this fall. But we'll see. Another Twitter question: Blake asks if Paul Chris doesn't coach versus Purdue, would Joe Rudolph or Jim Leonard be acting head coach? Oh, well, I think it would be Joe Rudolph based on his title. Does that sound correct? I mean, he did back at Pitt when Paul left. He was the coach for that bowl game. I so, believe he's the associate head coach, isn't he? Yeah. So. That's my assumption on who would be the coach in that scenario, but assuming, yeah, assuming he is uh, healthy, right? Um, which is not an assumption we could make at this point, no. certainly because six staff members, and that doesn't mean six coaching six six coaches, but six staff members, and that's that's a lot of guys, and you don't know who's all caught up in that. But yeah, I mean, if they were both healthy, yes, it would probably it would likely it would be Joe Rudolph, and if not, 
Jim Leonard, probably. Yeah, Jim Leonard, right? Mm-hmm. I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Blake also asks, uh, also, what serious challenges does only two days of in-person prep present versus a team like Purdue? Significant. A lot. I, I don't, are, we, are we overstating it, though? Because uh, who was the NFL team that like couldn't practice? Tennessee. Won the game. Ten- Tennessee, <laughs> right. like, Tennessee barely practiced for like two weeks. Right. So yeah, I don't and know. then went out I mean, and beat the Bills. All overthinking the value of practice, perhaps. But I think it's different when you have a fourth string quarterback uh, getting ready for that game, which is what Wisconsin would likely have. That you would probably want to get a little bit more on field. Let's get into Danny Vandenboom because there is a there is a question about Danny here. Um, Let's do yeah, do you feel Danny Vandenboom? And I, I guess I have to say it this way: Do you feel Danny Vandenboom goes the dynamite? Can win a football <laughs> game as the starting quarterback? And can we say boom goes dynamite after each positive play he makes? That is from CJ. Oh, absolutely. Is that better than Golden Graham? Boom goes Van, Danny Vandenboom goes the dynamite. It's, it's not too bad. Many words. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't roll off the tongue nearly as well as Golden Graham. But can they win that game against Purdue with him as QB one? I actually think that they could. Now, the problem is I don't think the running game was very yeah. good against Illinois, and if that isn't very good against Purdue. You don't have a quarterback, at least I'm assuming you don't have one that's going to throw for five touchdown passes with one incompletion. But let's think about some of the in-state guys that have come in and Vandenboom hasn't gotten his opportunity. Is he worse than Joel Stavi? All-time winning as quarterback, you like to say. But, oh, yeah. Well, it's a, hey, Jesse, I, I say it because it's a fact. All right. Like I'm a, I'm a big fact we, guy. We only speak in facts. I like, I'm a big fat guy, fact and fat fact guy but he is he has the most wins of any quarterback in Wisconsin history I don't you know but that is correct but so, the, the last time you make you could make the argument they didn't have a quarterback would be 2014 when Tanner McAvoy was uh, struggling and then Joel Stavi had the yips and then he came back in but that year you could turn around and hand the ball off to Melvin Gordon 30 times a yep. game and give right. and give Corey Clement a few runs like they don't have that this year, especially after what we saw against Illinois. That's, that'd be a huge concern. Like if you had a, to, if you had Jonathan Taylor, like if you had Jonathan Taylor, you'd be I'd, you'd be just fine, right? I mean, you'd be fine with the idea that they could move the ball and, and and get some production. But right now, they don't have they don't have that. And so, if you don't have can't make big plays in the passing game and you can't make big plays in the running game, well, then you have to drive down the field very very slowly, and that's just not a way to win against what isn't. I think with Rondale Moore is an explosive Purdue offense. Even if your defense is great, which I think Wisconsin's defense could be, that's a tough ask. Right, and back to the running game, that to me is the more significant problem because that's been Wisconsin's bread and butter. And Nakia Watson and Isaac Rendo each averaged 3.3 yards per carry. And yes, small sample size, but still, there weren't big explosive plays. The stuff that Jonathan Taylor thrived on, he had 30 runs, Last year, 15-plus yards, Wisconsin didn't have any against Illinois. I understand they had a different offensive line going. But back to Vandenboom, quarterbacks get this quote-unquote game manager label, and that's probably what they would be asking him to do. But I do think that he's capable of helping the team win games. And, and I actually talked to his high school coach out at Kimberly uh, earlier in the week just to get a little scouting report on him. And sure, he's not the most mobile you know, he's not going to be a dual threat guy, yep. but the thing that he does really, really well is take care of the football. So assuming what he did in high school and has done in practice translates in a game at the college level, he's not going to, you know, 
beat himself because he his junior year, so he won two state titles at Kimberly. They went 28-0 with him as a starter. Obviously, they were good when he wasn't playing too. He had 25 touchdowns and no interceptions as a junior. And in his career, he had 56 touchdowns and five interceptions. His coaches, not just at the high school level, but at the college level too, have talked a lot about his football IQ. And John Budmeyer said, this was in spring practice back when they had one in 2019. He talked about that he, Vanderboom knows who he is. And by that he meant he understands what throws he can make and which ones he can't. And so I do think that he could give Wisconsin an opportunity to win, but they've got to have a multi-dimensional offense. And I don't know right now if they do. Yeah. The other part of the running game that I think the numbers may have looked a little bit better. And I think Paul Chris mentioned it after the game was the two jet sweeps that they ran with the wide receivers where Kendrick Pryor slipped. He may have taken that for a touchdown the way it opened up. And then Danny uh, Davis running essentially right in the back of his blockers. And in that one probably would not have gone the distance, but it probably would have gained. It may have gotten to that 15 yard threshold that uh, you mentioned about Jonathan Taylor. So yeah, uh, they have big play ability in those guys. And I think Isaac Grendo has big play ability too, but the, it just didn't open up against Illinois. And, and part of that is Illinois being Illinois against the run, but I just feels it leaves you a little bit concerned going into the Purdue game without, you know, a proven passer and now without a proven running game. So, well, if they end up playing that game, that'll be something that uh, we'll certainly uh, dive into a little bit deeper. Big Boss Man asks, if things were to get worse, would Chancellor Blank pull the plug on the season, or are they committed to the end, even if it ends up being four or five games played? I think they would still play a season. They just wouldn't be eligible for the Big Ten Championship. If, if they're healthy enough to play, even if they have to not play four games, I think Wisconsin would finish a season. I don't see... I don't see them pulling the plug on this. Do you? No, not at all. I think however many games they play is however many games they play. Whether they're eligible for the Big Ten Championship game or not, they still could be potentially eligible for a bowl game, assuming any of those actually still exist and don't get canceled, which a lot of them have. A couple of uh, actual football questions. Is uh, Reggie Pearson still with the team while being out for the year? If he's not, wouldn't it be safe to assume he's not returning to the team in 2021? I, if I'm not mistaken, isn't he still? He's still very much on. Yeah, he's very. He's in school. He's on scholarship. Yes, he's just not on the roster right now. Right. The the possibility is definitely there for him to come back, and I think it's just medically whether it'll end up being allowed. But I, I, you know, I, I think that there is hope within the program that that will be the case. And then one more: when they do end up playing again, when Wisconsin ends up playing again. Will we see freshman Jalen Berger? I'm inclined to say no, <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like he was he was there at the game and he did not get in the game. And I, I feel like if coaches thought he was close or they wanted him to get reps, that he would have been in on the last drive that Wisconsin had when the Badgers were up 42 to seven. Instead, Nikia Watson took the carries. Mason Stocky got a carry. They kicked a field goal. And he didn't play at all. So maybe I'm reading too much into that because, as I've said before, we didn't see a single second of any practices, so we have no idea where he's at or how close he is. But right from the outset, Paul Chris made it clear that the top three guys were Watson, Garrett Groshek, and Isaac Arendo, and that doesn't seem to have changed. So I know people are clamoring to see Berger because he had a lot of talent in high school. He's a four-star running back. But if he was ready, I feel like we would see him. Having said that, we know this is a free year, basically. Yep. So if he's ready later in the year they can give him a shot, and if the running game is completely ineffective and they feel like they want to see somebody else, maybe he'll get a shot later. Yeah, as I uh, as I think I detailed on 
uh, Monday's podcast, he was not anywhere close to being involved in that game. I mean, when the offense was huddling on one end of the field, he was with a bunch of other true freshmen on the other end of the bench area. Other guys that weren't going to be playing. And so I, I don't know how far away he is from playing, but perhaps maybe as far as he was away from that huddle. Because um, that, along with what you said about him not getting in a blowout, where he was on the sideline for much of the game would also suggest that it wasn't even a thought in anybody's mind that he was going to be a potential person that would get some snaps at some point. So we'll see. I'm anxious to see him. I think the the talent that he has, you know, what we saw in film from his high school tape is very, very exciting, and he would seem to have some of that big playability that perhaps they're they're missing right now. Though I think Isaac Grendo has it too. He just couldn't. He just didn't get free very often. Um, but we'll see. Whenever they do end up playing again, we'll see if Jalen Berger will be involved. But I I agree with you and think that it's going to be those those three for a while until you know maybe he gets uh, up to speed a little bit further along. Jesse. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we before we close this up? I think we pretty much covered it. Maybe next time we do one of these episodes, we'll have a, an actual football game to talk about. But who knows in this crazy year? Yes, hopefully they will play against Purdue. If they don't, then the next game will be uh, at Michigan in a huge game that uh, we'll see how many guys will actually be playing in it. Oh, God, this sucks. I hate 2020. Uh, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. And you've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.